If you will please stand, the reading of God's Word, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 is what the Lord is setting apart for us. After I read this, I'm going to say, this is the Word of the Lord, and if you agree with me that this is the Word of the Lord, I want to encourage you to say, thanks be to God. Ephesians 2, verse 11, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of Promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I trust you're familiar with the idea of before and after pictures. When you see a before picture and then an after picture right next to it, it, it can be so encouraging. Uh, it can display, uh, it can prove how maybe a diet could drastically change a person. Or you can look at it more figuratively, uh, a before picture of who a person was and then and then who they have now become. And, and you can be encouraged by the hope of, of change. Whether that's physical change or, or growth in character. Well, we haven't been in the book of Ephesians lately. And so let me just tell you one thing that you should know about the book of Ephesians. Is that there are several of these before and after pictures that Paul gives to Christians. To, to, to remind them of the difference that salvation has made in their lives. 
We heard reference to one of them from chapter 5 and verse 8 earlier when it said that you were darkness. That's the before, but, but now the after is you are light. God has made you completely different than who you were before. You can see that right above our own passage in chapter 2 verse 1 where he's, he's doing this before and after thing in verse 1 where he says, you Christian, don't forget that you were something totally different than you are now. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But then he finishes that passage in verse 10 right before our passage and says, but now you are something different. You are God's workmanship. God has done a work in your life from being dead that now you're made alive in Christ. The book of Ephesians is concerned that the Christian keep looking back at the before picture so that they can appreciate who they currently are. And that's what's going on in our passage this morning. I've preached this passage before, focusing on what the whole passage is saying. What I want to really zero in on this morning is is this before and after thing that Paul is doing. This is one of the focuses of Paul in in our passage. Look in in chapter 2, verse 11. Remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, speaking to people who were not born Jewish, trust that's everyone here, everyone here who is a Christian today should remember that's not who we've always been. And, and then he, he, he compares that to the after picture in verse 13. Remember at one time you were, but now in Christ you are. Or in verse 19, he just keeps talking about this. You are no longer who you once were. Verse 22, in Christ you are. What Paul's doing is, is wanting to, he's reminding Christians all the difference that Christ has made in their life. And part of what the gift is in salvation is what he's unpacking here. So the title of the sermon is Remember How Far You've Come. Remember How Far You've Come. And the sermon in a sentence or the gospel truth is this. Keep in mind how close Christ brings us. Keep in mind how close Christ brings us. Once you know my goal for the sermon is for you to be amazed again by your Savior and what he has done for you. Keep in mind how close Christ brings us. Point number one from verses 11 and 12. Point number one, don't you remember being a stranger? Don't you remember being a stranger? This passage makes a comparison between two different kinds of people. In verse 11, the Gentiles in the flesh, those who were born... In the nations that were separated from God. In comparison to, to the one who's described in verse 11 as the circumcision. 
Or later in the passage, those who were near to God because they were living in the nation of Israel. These are Jewish people by birth. There's a comparison of these two different kinds of people. And, and we are all the, the kind that was outside, that was far away from God. Don't you remember being that? It will be good for you to remember what a stranger you were. When I was young, there was a term called uh, stranger danger. It was a clever way to train young children to be on their guard when someone who is a stranger is near. That that stranger, if you don't know them, you shouldn't assume that they, you can trust them, that they might be a danger to you. Well, listen, beloved, don't you remember what God said about all of us? That since Genesis 3, the third chapter in the Bible, all of humanity became estranged from God. Uh, all of humanity made in the image of God to be close to God, to know God, to walk with God all of our life because sin comes in. They were separated. That's what's underneath this passage. And the stranger danger is not a danger that comes from the stranger. In this case, God was a stranger to us. And we were in danger before Him. Because He in His holiness cannot be close to those who are unholy. Don't you remember? Throughout the entire Scripture, there was always a far away from God once sin came. There was always an inside and an outside. Uh, right when sin came in, God, because He is holy and He can't dwell with the unclean, He kicked humanity out of His presence. There is an inside of Eden that no one can get to. There is an outside of Eden. And a few pages later, when the whole world was filled with wickedness and sin, there was this boat that was safe. And there was just a few people in the whole world who could get inside the boat. And everyone outside of the boat experienced God's holy justice for the sins they committed against God. There's always been an inside and an outside. But that does also have mercy in it, don't you know? That there would be an inside at all. That there would be any way that God could make a way for people to come near when they deserve to be far away from him. And so God set apart one man, Abraham. One person who would make a nation of people and that one nation would get to be near to God. They would show that they're different from the rest of the world by circumcision. A cutting away of the flesh to say I'm separated from the world. And I belong to God. That's what verse 11 speaks about. There were people who were near and everyone else was far away. So when people look at Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, they're mainly talking often about race issues. Race issues. And you can make some application about Racial reconciliation from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22. But that is, this is not first of all about race. It's about religion. It's about religion. 
There was a reason why the whole world was separated from God. It was because God made a distinction and chose a perfect a people to be his own people. And over time, his own people became sinfully suspicious of others. But it was God who said, only my people can come near to me. And so he had a temple where people would worship him. And if you were not among his people, you could not come very close. And what Paul is saying, what I would encourage you to consider is don't you remember being a stranger? Don't forget, you were not born with a claim on God. Even if you know him now, we were born, it says in verse 12, remember at that time you were separated from Christ. You were aliens to the people of Israel. And that mean all, that means all the promises God gave to Israel, you had no part in and you had no hope in your life and you did not have God in your life. Do you remember being a stranger? Can you think back in your own life of that time where you were completely ignorant of God's will? Of the good way to live. Can you remember. Not feeling like your sin was all that serious. Like your selfishness was your greatest problem in all the world. Do you remember. When you had no one to look to. Whenever you were in trouble. Or if you knew to look to the true God. Do you remember. Coming to the realization you have no reason to hope that he would listen to you. Because your sin separated you from him. Paul would have us remember that. So that we could remember how far we've come. And he does say in verse 12 that that even those who have been brought near to God. And then what he's going to say in 13 and following have only been brought near, not because they were born in the right family, but because in the people of God came a savior named Christ. Try to keep this in mind. Everyone would remain far away from God if it weren't for one person named Jesus Christ. Try to keep this in mind, beloved. Don't forget this. I don't know what you think about when you think about God. Think this, keep this in mind. The moment sin came into the world, God made a promise of a savior. Keep this in mind about God. He does what it takes to bring to himself those who have no hope. Keep in mind how close Christ brings us if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your life and king I want you to put in your mind how close Christ can bring you to God don't you remember being a stranger point number two is don't you forget 
you're a member. Don't you forget you're a member. Verses 13 through 22. Let, let me make an understatement. Uh, when, when people do what I'm about to do, they'll say, let me give you the understatement of the year. Let me give you the understatement of all the years. Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives. Verses 14 through 16, there's this language that Paul is using of, of bringing those who are far away, bringing them close to God. And that language is, is really just a word, which is peace. You see that repeated over and over in verses 14 through 16. But what I want you to especially see in these verses is that our peace is a person. Our peace is a person. There is some background in the earlier parts of the Bible that that you have to be aware of if you're going to understand at least what the people who Paul was writing to understood. And, and, and if you're going to not forget, or if you're going to remember being a stranger and, and, and then not forget that you're a member and remember how far you've come, you need to understand a couple of things. The first thing about peace and being brought close to God is that there are certain terms and conditions that have to be met for that to happen. This is no small problem, our separation. Being far away from God because of our sin is no easy problem to solve. It required, by God's law, which is spoken of here in these verses, it required sacrifice. Look in verse 13. It required the killing of something precious for those who were unclean to be brought near to God. Requires the death of something precious. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, so far off you had no promise available to you. You're so far away from God, Gentiles. There was no hope for you. But verse 13 says, you who once were far off have been brought near by what? What is required to bring those who are far off near? It says it is the blood, not just of an animal like they had in the Old Testament. But of the Savior himself. The Son of God who took on flesh has flesh for this reason. So that he would have the right kind of blood. That God himself would require. Whenever a sacrifice was brought in. It was brought close. To a person. Whenever the priest would come into. The holy of holies. In the temple. The house of God. He didn't come without blood. And he threw that blood. On the representation of where God was sitting. Because it is God who's asking for the blood. It is God who says blood has to be spilled. It is blood that brings us close to God. Because blood is what closeness costs. Don't ever forget this. He couldn't just bring us close. He couldn't just wink at us and bring us near. What does it take to bring someone so far away? And anyone who has any sins 
Not the people you're thinking of who have the worst sins, but anyone who has any sins is so far away from God. What it takes to bring us close, if what separated us from God in the first place was sin. Well, the requirements for sin have to be paid first. And God said, if you sin against me, you're going to die. Blood has to be shed. What I want is for you to remember how far you've come. By first remembering that you were a stranger like I was a stranger. And to remember what God prescribed in order for peace to be made. And it was blood. But secondly, I don't just want you to understand the prescriptions for peace in the Old Testament. I want you to understand the promises of peace in the Old Testament. Verse 14 is alluding to this when it says, He Himself is our peace. He has made us both one. That is Jew and Gentile. Now one new man. And He's broken down in His own flesh. He has made peace by breaking down his own flesh, the dividing wall of hostility that we have with one another, but also with God. He is our peace. Our peace didn't just require blood. It required a specific person. And the Old Testament talks about it. Micah chapter 5. During Christmas time, we, we would hear this verse, chapter 5, verse 5, which says, He shall be their peace. Who shall be our peace? That now Paul says, He's come. The one who was promised to bring peace has come. Micah said, He was a man from Bethlehem who would be born out of that small place from Him. Would come a, uh, would be a ruler of all of God's people. And he will stand and shepherd the people of God, unite them all into one, and they will be secure whenever he comes. And not just will they be secure, there will be a securing and a peace that comes to the end of the earth. We were told that peace would be a person. A person who would rule all of Israel, but who would unite the whole world. We were told at Christmas time, also from Isaiah chapter 9. To us a child is born, and he shall be prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. We've been told to look for the person who would bring us peace. Keep in mind. How close this person brings us. Keep in mind how close he came. We were told the one who would bring peace to the whole world would be born. Told where to look for him. And we, to, we were told he would be born and we, we were told he'd be the prince of peace. We were told he'd be the king and, and that he would unite the whole world. That's what we were told. Remember how close he came. God the Son is that baby. 
And he came so close that he took on flesh and came all the way in to the world that was separated from him, that was sinful against him, that was hostile to him. That's how close he came. But remember how far he went. We, we might have guessed how close he'd come. We'd have to be reading really closely to predict how far he'd go. All the way to a cross. He wasn't just born and then brought peace. He wasn't just born and then the people recognized him and gave him a crown and said, increase your government and let us worship you. No, those very people were far off from him. In order to spread peace with God, he had to be the sacrifice. It was his blood that was shed on the cross. Verse 16, he reconciled us both to God. Jew and Gentile together in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. How can the hostility be removed? How can the separation be closed in? How can those who are far off be brought close? The hostility has to be killed. And so his body has to be killed. Jesus Christ had a body. And in order to make peace for others, he had to bear God's hostility for us. On the cross, the perfect son of God, the one born to be king and to rule forever, was treated by God the way that all of his people deserved for their sins, all of his anger for our wrath on that cross. That's how close he came. That's how far he went. Consider how close he brings us. By that work, he says, we are brought who were without hope and without God all the way to God. All the way to God. Verse 13, you who were far off have been brought near by his blood. And in verse 16, he has reconciled us to God. He has removed everything that separated us. He has taken all the terms and conditions that God's holiness required and he has met them. And he has brought us to God and removed everything that would ever separate us again. Remember how far you've come. And remember how great a savior we have. That he's not just temporarily made a a, a truce with God. He hasn't superficially made some kind of arrangement or relationship with God. He's not just made us friends of God, but he's made us the very family of God. That's what he he means when he says, when when I say, don't you forget you're a member. What, What he then says in verse 19, look there again. So then you are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens who you were. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household that is the family of God. 
You together are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus being the first stone that was laid. And in him, the whole structure is being joined together. And it's growing up into a holy home of God. A new temple. In him, you are being built together. Into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How close does he bring us? He brings us all the way in. That inside and outside thing. That no one can get near God again in Eden. There's only people who are outside of Eden. No, now we've been brought all the way in. Not for temporary fellowship with God, but that we are described even as his very home. His family. Oh, it bears... Stating that the blood of Jesus has built a better temple than the blood of bulls and goats. Those animals had a house that they died and then were brought into. And only one person could go in there. And they had to go through all this stuff to get clean enough to go into God's presence. And they could only do it temporarily. Well, now it says that the blood of Jesus has not just Washed some things clean, some people clean, but has washed the whole people clean, all clean. So that we are now the building itself. The believers are. God lives inside each one of us and together when we gather together on Sundays, there is a special presence of God. The church, Paul says, is where God can be found on earth. And of course, that means the church must be holy. Because our Savior has shed blood that has made us holy. Beloved, I want us to keep in mind how close Christ has brought us. The key is keeping in mind. It's what you keep in mind. Remember. Remember, he says. One of the most valuable investments that you can make, if you're not just someone who invests financially or in in real estate or something like that for your future security or whatever, but if you're the sort of person who's invested in eternity, who would invest in your soul, one of the most valuable investments you can make is to guard your mind. Is to keep certain things in your mind. And to not admit entry to certain things into your mind. To keep certain things out. It's very practical for you to be the kind of Christian. Who comes to church every single Sunday. To keep in mind. How close Christ has brought us and therefore have hope. It's a very practical thing for you to be the kind of Christian who would invest in your soul in eternity by daily availing yourself of the gift that most of Christians throughout history never had in their own hands in reading your word. It would be very wise of you to invest in your soul by guarding your mind, by keeping things in your mind and keeping certain things out of your mind, by investing in relationships, especially with people who will tell you the truth. 
Not with people who will puff you up and talk about how great you are or you were. Not those people. But people who will talk much about Christ, who is our peace. It would be a great investment in your soul if you would avail yourself of peace's prize. Peace's prize. The prize of peace. What we have been, what Christ has won us through salvation. It says in verse 18, through Christ, what do we have now? Access. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a pastor. You don't have to wait for one time a year when someone else will stand in your way and go into the presence of God. You have access. It is the ear of God that, that Christ has won us. Devote yourself, if you care about your soul, to being a man of prayer, to being a woman of prayer. Don't ever let go the desire to grow in it. And let whatever conviction you have for how poor you are at it, let it spur you on to do whatever it takes to not waste what Christ has won for you. That you might keep in mind what Christ, how close he's brought us. Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. Be thinking about how he saved you. Talk to more people about how he saved you. Let that be the thing that they know about you. And make sure every time you share your testimony, and ladies who would share your testimony this summer in the ladies' testimony events, listen to me now. Make sure it's fresh. Make sure it's up to date. Don't just talk about the moment that he saved you. Talk about what he's done since saving you. Keep it fresh. Keep it in mind. How far he has brought you. Keep in mind how far, how close Christ has brought you by maintaining your peace with God. Make it a daily habit because you're daily sinning to confess your sin to God. So that you can be reminded that he gives forgiveness to anyone who pleads by the blood. Confess your sins and plead the blood of Christ for your forgiveness and receive and rest in it. Keep it in mind. Keep an ever-present awareness of how God is working in your life that you might thank him whenever you see the before and after. Look at what he's done. He's helped me to believe new things. He's helped me to behave more holy. Keep it in mind because he's brought us all the way to God. Consider how close he came. Consider how far he went. Consider how close he brings us, not just all the way to God, but to oneness with one another. Oneness with one another. Peace. Killing the hostility with one another. How precious is that to you? Is it what Paul thinks when he says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace bought by the blood of God's son, eager, not delaying, not putting that off because you've got more important things to do. Don't let any hostility come between you and other believers bought by the blood. Be eager to maintain that unity. Be eager, he says at the end of chapter four, to forgive one another in Christ as God has forgiven us in Christ. Being tenderhearted, 
He's brought peace with us, beloved, by the blood of his son. Therefore, put away all bitterness and all wrath and all anger and all clamor and all slander and all malice. But be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Live at peace. Keep that peace together. Resolve yourself. How far he has, how close he came, how far he went, how close he brings us. His will is for us to stay one together. He's made us into one body. Have it your conviction for your life. I have come way too far to live at odds with my brother or my sister. Christ has done way too much for me to withhold peace at all. Peace is a person. But verse 17 picks up this idea of our peacemaking person is specifically a preacher. He came and preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. We were told he would. In Zechariah 9, he would speak peace even to the nations. Isaiah 57, we read it earlier, peace to those who are far and to those who are near. There's only one who brings peace to anyone, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. It's Christ. So I would say something to you here who perhaps are feeling hopeless. If today you realize how estranged you are ultimately from God. If today you want peace with God. Do you feel how far away you are? Do you feel how distant he is? How great a distance has to be covered for you to be close to him? My peacemaker so loves peace that he preaches it far and near. Listen, Jesus Christ came To bring those who were farthest away all the way in. Will you turn from your sins and trust him? That's all it takes is trust in him. And he will save you. But I'm not going to stand up here and say that if you do that, you'll never have a problem again. You'll never have sadness again. There are certain seasons where I really struggle with sadness, what some people call depression. There's a song uh, that's one of the things the Lord has actually used to help me when I've been depressed. The song starts with this phrase, can't keep my mind off of every little wrong. There's so much wisdom in that. That song goes on to give hope and tells you how to have hope. Can't keep my mind off of every little wrong. A tactic of the enemy toward those who have been saved is despair. Satan wants us to deny what Christ has done. Satan wants to put before us discouragement in every little wrong. And he wants to hide from us who God is and all that he's done for us and how close Christ has brought us. 
the, the passage started with, don't forget how estranged you were, how you had no hope. But now in Christ, we lack hope and we live in despair. I'm convinced and I can testify to this. Because often we forget this. How far he has brought us. We need to get our mind off of certain things of every little wrong. If you want help and you want hope, listen to me. Keep in mind what Christ has done. And what he's done is brought us close to God. And beloved, if you have God. Never lose hope. You have God. Yeah, you still have troubles. But you don't have the greatest trouble. Christ has solved that. We have God. Therefore, we have hope. We have the one who is going to make all these wrong things right one day. And he will. We have the one who knew the worst of us and did not spare his son. We have the one who even uses the worst in our life and and is able to turn it around for our good. Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. All that was needed to bring us close to God. Christ's own blood, he supplies. Keep it in mind, there is no more condemnation. Even if there's great challenge, there is no condemnation before God. Even if what you're depressed about is your own sin and your own failures, keep in mind, Christ has not just made a truce between us and God, he's made us children of God. And he won't kick us out. The key to hope is what you keep in mind. And what you get out of your mind. So it's really important, I guess, as we close. To make really clear. What I said in the beginning, remember how far you've come. Remember how far you've come. And actually, you didn't do it at all. At least not on your own two feet. He carried you through those seasons. Like the footprints tells us. Beloved, it wasn't just the hard circumstances in life that he was carrying us. He picked us up from the very beginning and is going to bring us all the way home. Keep in mind how close Christ brings us. Oh God, we pray that you would take this word and you would give hope to your people by giving the peacemaking blood of your son to your people. We pray that you'd make us wise and skillful at getting out of our mind the things that will not help us and remembering that we were strangers and remembering and not forgetting that we are members by the blood of our Savior. Make us a people who are filled with hope because we're a people who want you most and we have you because of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.